another day another bull perceptions recording and i am so happy you came back to your favorite podcast and today we got a wicked one we got a wicked um kind of in the swamp washington dc got our insider there have a nice talk about what's real what's not the kind of pony show uh, that goes on in that crazy uh, capital city of the United States of America. Jake and George sit down over Skype, Zoom, whatever one, and, and talk uh, talk uh, what it's really like to be in Washington, D.C., working in politics. It's fascinating. But, hey, here's a tip. If you're trying to get some good energy, I know it's tough in this quarantine, Try taking a cold shower. I love cold showers. And you don't have to do cold the whole time. But at the end, for like two minutes, put it on to as cold as it gets and sit in there. It'll get easier and easier over time. But I'm telling you, you'll hop out of the shower and feel alive. It's amazing. It gives you some some good energy once you... Uh, uh, start your day so yeah do that hey and like subscribe send us messages on uh, instagram or, or facebook we're getting a lot lately a lot of cool stuff about people trying to help out giving suggestions on um, what they want to hear um, it's neat and we're building that community and it's only going to get bigger so make sure to get in contact with us connect the doers that's our mission so hey enjoy this episode perceptions is back in action it's george we got jake here jake say hello to everybody wave to the camera hello hello testing testing one two and today we got a very interesting guest i cannot actually reveal his name he is a politician in dc as we speak i see uh the declaration of independence behind him the official usa flag uh, george washington mounted in the delaware river i think that's correct but uh, yeah, can we have you introduce yourself, sir? Mr. Unidentified Sir. Hey there, I am Joe Blow. Uh, I am from Jake and George's hometown. Um, I now live in DC. I'm pretty heavily involved in the politics world out here. Uh, and I think that's what I've come on here to talk about today. So I'm excited. Well, we are very happy to have you. Um, I think it's also an interesting time for politics, pretty pulverizing, it's kind of taken over the uh us uh what was kind of your way of getting into it yeah so i am pretty lucky to be honest with you just you know to keep it straight um so my father's best one of his best friends from back in the day right he is a rising star in politics um i can't go into his background too much but he is now my chief of staff um for those who don't know that's kind of the you know manager if you will the top guy in any office um so he you know having that inside connection really helped me get this job um beyond that you know I, you know it's everyone gets an internship on the hill you are never handed a job just hey come work here um you have to be an intern first whether you're 20 40 70 um and you have to prove yourself do research there's you know a lot of aspects to the job 
Um, yeah, that's how, that's how I got into it. Connections. Um, okay. what else were you looking for as far as that answer goes? I mean, no, yeah, no, that was perfect. Joe blow, Mr. Blow. But, uh, I was wondering, so in terms of the interview process, I mean, there's gotta be a screening process. I'm sure. I mean, I just look at the white house as a, uh, as an outsider, as something that's kind of a, you know, an exclusive club. And I'm just wondering, you know, are there any checkpoints you need to pass or specific things they're looking for in candidates? Yeah, well, so going back to that, I actually, technically I failed, um, you know, as you're calling it, the screening process. So of all the things I've had to do, take an oath to hold the constitution, all that crap. Um, the one thing I didn't do so hot was my social media. So back when I was a high schooler, dude, I was, I was crazy, right? Um, I had I like 20K tweets. And, yeah, <laughs> I had like 20K tweets in a couple hours uh, or a couple years. I was, I was all into it. Um, but my boss saw that. He made me get rid of all my social medias. Um, and that was a big, big part of it. Like as far as what I needed to get going, like in my personal life, they, they dug deep. They found their, their vetting process was thorough. I'll say that. Um, but other than that, you know, it's not too crazy as long as you're, you know, a good interviewer or have skills that they're looking for. So, and with the social media sweep you were forced to do, obviously uh, in the later years that I knew you, I didn't think you were too involved in social media, but was that kind of like a holy shit moment? Like I got to sacrifice something to get somewhere I want to be, especially politics. Oh, a hundred percent. And this has been an interest of mine since I was, before I could understand, you know? Um, yeah, a hundred percent. Why? Why politics? Like, what, what, why did you want to do politics? Yeah, so this is a good question that I've even asked myself before, you know, what even, you know, I'll work weekends and like, I'm just passionate about this crap and I don't know, you know, why, what's, how, why? Um, a, I think, of course, it's important work. Anyone doing this work would feel the same way. Most people doing this work would feel the same way. Um, you know, you're passing law, it's, it's fun. Um, the other thing is, I was pretty close to my uncle. Um, and I mean, when I was 10 to 15 years old, I would just be hanging out with him, with my brother. Um, and we would watch Fox News, CNN, we would watch all the news sources. And he knew everyone. He knew every position, what they did. He, he just knew all about it. And I think that fueled my passion. Um, and a couple of years later, uh, my uncle passed away. So I think in a sense, I wanted to carry out his passion for politics um, by kind of going down my own path in it that I'm fortunate enough to, uh, to be doing. Fascinating. So it's almost like you're kind of growing up in the environment and it just kind of stuck with you. Yeah. Uh, what kind of mindset do you have to have there to be successful? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. What kind of mindset? So at first I would say there's so much you got to learn that you are not going to know very much. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a fairly smart guy. You know, I kind of think I know a lot about things, but when you come here and you're actually trying to work on law, pass bills, there's, you don't know anything, right? You, I didn't go to law school. I have no background in any of this. So it was more about just learning. And I mean, expansive learning, every, everything you can. Um, and I think that was the number one thing. And then once you're, you know, you get going. Um, another point would be that it is cutthroat. Um, someone will try to take your job. The intern will try to take your job if you can, if he can, right? 
Um, and that was something I was unfamiliar with, even in the business world. You, you never really had that. Um, so that was another big change, yeah. And so that's interesting, Mr. Blow. When you say it's cutthroat, um, you kind of think of a typical corporate America position as, hey, network with everybody, uh, become friends with your coworkers, you're doing happy hours, all fun and games. But I feel like uh, politics is a different breed almost where you got to be watching your back at all times. You never know what's going to happen. Is it kind of, is it a little more dramatic in that sense? Yeah. Um, I think I, just in my nature, I'm a little bit paranoid. Um, and thank God for that, because there have been a couple things where, you know, I don't want to get into details, but thank God I was skeptical of the situation. Um, and, and, you know, I foresaw things that uh, were not in my favor and changed that. So. So then kind of going off of that, um, it's a cutthroat world. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I've seen House of Cards. I'm yeah. sure a lot of people have. And it's almost like it's an act. Like sometimes they really, half of them don't believe what they're saying. They're doing it just to get votes, um, make their approval rating go up and all that. Would you say that House of Cards accurately represents that in the sense that it is an act and these people are just surviving? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, I don't want to call anyone out specifically. I, I'm a politician, but let's not get too political. Um, but yes, 100%. There are people that could say that could, you know, their intent is the complete opposite of what they're saying. Um, and, and I think it stems from the problem of you, you are reelected every two years. So you're campaigning, I mean, a couple months to a year after you get elected. Um, and part of that process is policy versus politics. The, the most important thing I learned when I came to DC was the difference. So more recently, um, I'll even reference the bill, HR3 was supposed to be, was bipartisan legislation that was going to go through the House, Senate, probably become law. Um, however, it was hijacked by a couple members of a party, I won't say who, um, and, and the legislation was destroyed, right? Like it was completely, the president would never sign it. it somehow it passes the House because Nancy's got her votes and the Senate would never. But, and, and that was good to see. And they renamed it something like, I don't remember the name, but it was super politics driven. Of course, this is never going to pass and become law. Everyone on the Hill knows that. But she's like, look at all the, this great I'm doing. And it's just to get reelected, right? I think I know exactly what Bill you're talking about. But uh... yeah keep it yeah. don't say anything um that's that's fascinating so mm. then kind of going off of that the president we have now is the most pulverizing figure in american history i'd say you either love him or you hate him in the house it on in dc with everybody you're with is that love and hate actually real or is it phony yeah i think there are people that hate him for sure. Like the hatred for Trump is real. Um, I would say significantly less in DC than the rest of America. Um, but even so, you know, maybe they dramatize it. They make it seem you hate him. So we're going to hate him with you. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. It's just so fascinating because you see the, let's say the left, the Democrats, all their voters can't stand the guy. And it just makes me curious, do the people that are representing those voters actually believe that they 
what they're saying that they he's the worst human ever vile and all the stuff they used to say about him i just it's just so fascinating to me yeah i doubt that i think a lot of the time they're just trying to paint a bad picture an election's coming up and uh, before elections things get uh, pretty crazy yeah my short answer is no most of them just are trying to get reelected. as unfortunate as that is fascinating oh, oh. and you were you were saying so obviously there is a hatred for trump oh yeah in the office jake you touched on the fact that you either love them or you hate them. Yep. Do people try to stay neutral? Do they kind of try to keep a game face on? Or is it pretty easy to tell which side they're on in the halls and at social gatherings, whatever it is? So it's very fascinating because, you know, when I got into this, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to listen to the people, if you will. And I'll just, you know, do whatever I think is morally right. But that's not the case at all. So, um, Party is very important. Um, and I think I disagree with this a little bit, but I understand it because leadership is strong and valuable and there's, you know, there's benefits. Um, but so the Democratic leadership and the, the Republican leadership have very strong say in how their members vote on anything. So it's very hard to get a Republican to cross the line for something that leadership doesn't want them to. Um, nearly impossible. So party unity is at its peak. And you saw that with impeachment, right? Something as important as impeachment. It's only happened three times, but the party line was, it was crystal clear and no one broke it. Right. So I think one democratic member did. Yeah. I think, uh, didn't Romney vote for impeachment too? Yep. Romney voted on the second article. Maybe it was the first article. I forget. Yeah. So it's, I was talking to Nick the other day and we were saying how the party unity is basically like sports teams now and you have to, your team, you're cheering for your team to win basically. So it's become such an emotional investment for voters and 100%. They, there's no middle ground. Do you think that there will be anybody or if we'll ever start to move towards that middle ground and kind of come together as a nation at all? I think with some sort of tragedy, maybe, but with the news outlets we currently have and with how heavily people watch this shit, um, it's just dividing more and more, right? You're going to have left versus right for quite a while unless something happens. Um, and I think that's all by design for some reason. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it, but I don't think that is unintentional. I think it's very decided. You want the left, you know, you want half the population against the other half. Um, and, and there are benefits to that, right? Like it's now it's hard to pass law and it's always been that way. And the constitution makes it that way. So yeah, I think that um, it's very intentional that A, there's two parties and B, it's so hard to get things done. Yeah. Um, regarding the tragedy, I was kind of hoping with the coronavirus, like if something good was, was to come out of it, mm -hmm. it would be that everybody, you know, kind of comes together and realize we have a common, common enemy. And so mm -hmm. that's my hope with the coronavirus right now. Um, and kind of regarding that then, do you have, because I heard rumors, speculation over the past few weeks that the U.S. is going to go into lockdown, martial law, all that stuff. Do you have any information on that? Can you, can you speak on that at um, all? So 
these briefings are pretty classified um, and not that I'm in all of them, you know, I'm just, you know, another staffer, but uh, I do have some information I'm not allowed to share. Um, I will say projections are accurate. So if you've seen anything from Congress, the World Health Organization, um, regarding the spread, <clears throat> those numbers are very accurate. Um, so with that being said, you can, you know, lead to your own conclusion about what's going to happen, but things are not looking great for America, Italy, especially, oh my God, today was a bad day for them. That's not bad. So with that being said, Joe, can you reveal how many rolls of toilet paper you personally have? <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to go on the record and say this. I think people are blowing it out of proportion a tiny bit. Um, you know, maybe we shouldn't all be partying at bars and crap like that, but I do think we're, you know, we're going to be all right. Uh, so I have not stocked up on 200,000 years of food and toilet paper, but, um, I, if you, if you have, I mean, Hey, at least you're prepared. <laughs> if that makes you feel secure, you know, yeah, right. I mean, day, maybe, uh, the Miller light virus in a couple of <laughs> years, I don't know. But, uh, so with Corona then, obviously it's kind of a hot topic. Um, and it's interesting because Nick was in Italy, is right. in Italy. He saw everything happening before it hit America. He's about 10 days ahead of us. When did you guys in the White House get message that it would kind of be brutal, terrible? And when did you start to actually take it seriously? Was there a delay or were you all like, holy shit, right away? No, I mean, like we, we knew that China was lying on their reports. Like we knew it was going to spread. <laughs> But the unfortunate thing is, right, it's origin, the, or, the original country that, you know, this happened in lied about its reports. Like, there were so clearly, the deaths and the, everything about the reports. Like, if I can, you know, reference a couple if you'd like. But they were just lying, blatant lies, you know, trying to cover up how bad it was for some reason. I, I, I don't know why. Um, it was a health concern. But anyways, um, finally... I can reveal this. We got big banks, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, their analyst teams to do research regarding spread. Um, and those projections have been spot on. So right away, we kind of knew what to expect, um, despite not having much information from the Chinese. Um, yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, it does. And I remember, let's see, I mean, I think Goldman Sachs, Sachs, sorry. I got my hands on something around that. Um, and I believe the number at the time when I saw what they're projecting, it was, you couldn't even imagine, you couldn't think it up. Right. But I mean, I think it turned out to be by next Monday, Tuesday, about a million and a half cases per week new. Was, yep. that, was that accurate? Yeah, so if it, we're talking globally, um, we can expect somewhere in that range. If that doesn't happen, that's great. That means we've contained it. Um, I think that was worst case scenario. Again, we were handed bad information from the Chinese, so it's... Yeah, don't trust China at all. I still think that, because they reported today that it's like the first day that they haven't had new cases. Don't believe that. Still think it's going on over there. Um, and to kind of go with, I want to know the response or uh, how people feel about Trump's response. It seems at first they were calling him racist for closing down the border uh, or closing down flights with China. And then 
everybody was blaming him. And then the past few days, I have seen, like, from CNN, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York saying that he's doing a really good job. And so it's kind of flipped that they're almost, like, trusting his leadership now. What's the vibe around the White House and how, or in Congress, about how he's doing with the response to this pandemic? Yeah, I mean... I don't, I think his role is just like leadership. He, he doesn't know anything about like the health. I mean, I don't either, but like his job is just to reassure people that things are going to be fine, right? What else can he do? He, it's not like he's, you know, thank God he doesn't have it. Um, what's the vibe like? I think optimistic, right? I think he's, thinks he's got it under control. Things are going decent in America. We're up cases again today, but. We'll see. I mean, that's bound to happen. Um, I'm guessing we're right in the beginning right now, and it's only going to get worse. But he has seemed to take a lot of initiative with uh, cutting mortgages for or mortgage payments for people. Um, do you think that he'll send basically Andrew Yang's idea of the uh, money per month here coming up, a certain amount of money to each family or individual per month? I think – Yes. So in the most recent bills that we passed, Senate's passed and it went into the law, um, there was a lot of aid. And I think that will continue and only get more substantial. Um, I hesitate to say that a little bit because how long will this last? I mean, it could be over by next week. It could get a lot worse. Um, if it continues to get worse, I think, of course, there has to be bailouts for citizens. Finally, this would be the first time in a while. Uh, we'll see. I don't see a reason not to, like you said, with all the small business cuts, breaks that he's handing out. Um, I think it would be expected that he would give, you know, maybe not a thousand dollars a month, but a couple hundred to help feed people. Interesting. I actually didn't hear that Jake. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, one thing I was wondering, so obviously Trump, you're right. His role is leadership, very strong speaker, great presence. Um, and he's relaying, right, social distancing, don't buy in bulk. I actually know an Aldi, Aldi grocery store district manager who said he was on the phone with her boss a couple days ago talking about um, limiting yourself at the grocery store, um, which kind of falls in line with giving people money in a way. Does he have any, <laughs> do you know anything about any backup plan or plan B in terms of social distancing if we don't flatten the curve is there a new measure they're going to take a different approach oh yeah i mean as horrible as it is the next step is martial law which if you don't know much about it it is not good um i think it takes away people's constitutional rights i think there's so many bad reasons to do it though i understand you know why he would do it if he wants control and he really needs to stop the spread if things get bad um, but I think martial law would be nearly the next step besides a full-on quarantine. I've, Jake, you... seen, I've actually seen or heard, read, that they're sending out uh, the Marines or some, some Army group, sending them across the country. National so Guard. I, yeah, the National Guard, thank you. I do think martial law is going to be inevitable because you can't, in my opinion, have a lockdown or quarantine without – the National Guard patrolling the streets and making sure that everybody's cooperating because I think then yeah. if they're not on the street, you're going to have full out riots. And it's, uh, that's even more dangerous. Mm. And then to kind of go off that, do you think, or how long do you think 
this is going to last? Do you think it's going to, because I've seen reports saying, you know, in a few months, hopefully by June, July, August, we'll be out of quarantine or out of whatever this is, but then coming back, it's going to come back around next fall and we're going to be in the same situation again. Yeah. So, oh man, this is a loaded question. I don't want to say anything I shouldn't. Um, I think that until at least the end of April, cases will continue um, at roughly projected estimates. So that means it's not slowing down. Uh, I think, that, yeah, that, that's my answer. And are they not slowing down, if you can speak on this? If they're not slowing down, do you know or do you know the projected reason why? Is it people not obeying the social distancing and the kind of the soft quarantine? Is it the fact that it's already too late? It's out there. It's airborne. It's very contagious. What is it? Yeah, so I think the reason it's spreading is because of how contagious it really is. You can get this thing. I mean, if you sit on a chair and somebody sits on that chair, theoretically, you could get it within a couple hours. Um, so I think that has a big, you know, part to do with it. Uh, hang on here. As well as just people aren't social distancing as much as they should. I think you see that specifically on the west coast if i don't know if you know people out there but they are not social distancing they're straight up living normally it's very strange um besides the like the work from home i see people going out getting drinks doing that kind of thing um so i think the spread actually is people mainly in the 20 to 30 age group they're the they're the main uh carriers if you will and i think they're spreading it the most so unless they slow down with the social distancing like you said uh, it'll only continue because people aren't doing it enough currently. Well, yeah, and you also look down in Florida. I don't know if you saw they were interviewing some people at the beach, and they just don't give a shit. They're just oh. like, I came here to party. I'm going to keep <laughs> Like, man, you don't realize, like you said, that they're the carriers. And it's right. kind of seen that it's come out in the past few days, last week, that it actually is – because at first they were saying it's just older people that are going to get it. But it seems now that younger pe a lot younger people are getting, and it's still a serious. They're getting serious cases. Yeah. So do you think that at first we were kind of led astray that it was just an old person disease, and it actually is for everybody, basically? Um, no, I think people that are at risk of death, if that if death is the barometer of bad or not, um, I think it is mostly old people. Um, sorry if I offend anyone by saying that. But. Um, but that's just the reality, right? So, yeah. Um, but the worst part is people our age, people a little bit older, younger than us, we are carriers. We could not even show symptoms, um, you know, or we could get a bad case and fucking fall ill. But the worst part is we could, we could barely know we have it and keep spreading it. I mean, we all know this, but that's the true problem, right? So those people on Florida that you mentioned, if half, a fifth of them have something, they're all transmitting it to each other. And they might not even get sick or whatever, but then they're going to bring it home, bring it to family, friends. Uh, and, that, and that's the big problem with it. Um, and to kind of shift this real quick um, to economically, obviously right now we're getting killed, the stock market. It seems like the global stock market is getting killed in general. It's globally. Yep. Do you think that this is going to have a lasting impact on our economy? Yeah. So 
theoretically, however this started, whether it was a bat or, I don't know, some crazy terrorist group or something like that. However it started, um, you know, the conspiracy theorist side of me says maybe this was somewhat intentional, as in maybe they wanted a global disruption of the market. Um, I think, yeah, maybe even China, right? Like they, they could now buy a lot of our stock, whether it be corporate or just property. Things are cheap in America right now. Now's a good time to buy, right? So, you know, the, there's a million theories of why this is happening and who's capitalizing. Um, yeah, but the economic, the economic response has been awful. Yeah, I mean, like you said, our market, oh my God, I was looking at Bitcoin. It was down over 70% in four days or something like that. 70. I mean, 5K now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, good question, Jake. Because I've been wondering, hey, is this my opportunity to, uh, you know, learn Forex, learn stock markets and whatnot? Mm -hmm. So good question there. Um, Another question I have. So it feels like Trump specifically has gotten accused of doing this quite a bit, especially with his uh, his wild Twitter fingers he's got. He'll uh, kind of put something out there to mask something that's going on behind the scenes. Um, a few examples from the past, I won't get into it, but you have any information or insight that you can share on anything that may be going on behind the scenes that would normally be received terribly to the left or the right that's being masked by the whole corona facade? facade yeah so that's a really good question um i think one the one thing that pops into mind is um like i referenced earlier if we go into martial law things can become dangerous now i am a supporter of my president that's what i'll say however if he wants to enact martial law to abuse power in any way which theoretically look i'm I'm on Trump's team, but the guy's power hungry. I mean, right? We can we can kind of all see it. If he starts to abuse that martial law and put, you know, tries to further his power, or I think that's the number one concern I have. Um, did that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and now you got me thinking. I mean, the effects, especially with the social media age on martial law i mean we see a lot of videos of uh, police brutality that would quadruple if we got call of duty characters in the street yeah ordering around you know young people oh man snapchat instagram videos it'd be that'd be fascinating to see it'd be a little yeah. scary but i mean the psychological and cultural effects would be insane yeah i agree that's a good point um so we've seen with this that there have been Obviously, toilet paper shortage, some food shortage. I mean, I go to the grocery store and there's like no meat. Do you think we're going to reach a point where we're going to have either like water shortage where they turn off the water, uh, the electrical uh, grid gets shut down or they take down the Internet? We're not anywhere near that yet. Um, it's mostly the service industry being hit, which might get worse. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he said unemployment is expected to hit 20% expected, not, you know, and that's terrifying. That's truly terrifying. That means an, on average, one person in every home will be unemployed. Uh, that's not good. So I've already talked to my roommate. He works in the service industry. He's already lost his job. And now he's trying to get another job at, I think he said a bar, but I'm like, 
<laughs> Unless you can get out of the service industry, dude, you're going to like not be able to pay your bills, which is quite terrifying. But as far as water, electric go, um, those would receive bailouts. Like they, they need to keep us alive, right? So do you think they would shut off the internet at all or ever? If there's an agenda with this martial law, turning off the internet could be crucial for stopping the spread of information, whether it's uh, someone invading us or any major event, uh, cutting off communication would be a good idea. That's, that's, that's what I'll say. Yeah, that's the scariest part to me, if, that, if they were to cut off the internet, um, because like you said, that's how, that's how everybody communicates. And especially if you're all locked down, you can't go anywhere, you don't have the internet, Right. All you have then is the talking heads on TV. And I know the trust in the media nowadays is at a bare minimum. Depleted. Like, yeah. And kind of going off that, do you, well, with the media, do you notice like in the White House or Congress, Senate, that they know that the trust in the media is low? And how do they like feel about that? Are they, is that on purpose? Is that intentional, designed, or has it kind of gotten away from them? Yeah. Um, look, people own these news networks. Um, there are two types of journalists, in my opinion. You have one who reads a prompter and one who has a team of researchers and takes his job pretty seriously. Um, I think both, both, you know, what's, what's my barometer? I'll do CNN and Fox, right? Kind of ends of the spectrum. They both have good journalists and bad journalists, in my opinion. Um, to answer your question, yes, I think it is by design. Uh, <clears throat> these people who own these networks, are they have an agenda, right? That's scary. I don't like that. So, Joe Blow, um, obviously we're getting into uh, kind of semi-scary visions of uh, sugar plums dancing through my head right now. Can we end on a rather positive note? Please. What do you see as the best case scenario, last half full, uh, type of vision what what would happen what would need to happen what do you think could happen yeah so i mean if we're talking best case scenario right probably by the end of march we could theoretically kind of have rid of the disease in uh in a general sense um you know we would come out of quarantine we could all get back to work uh go about daily lives which after four or five days, I see social media is already losing their minds. So oh. hopefully they can handle another week or two. Uh, best case scenario, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, it's a weird time, man. It is. It's crazy. And it's almost like, sounds bad, but it's almost like I'm happy to be in this time because it's so interesting. There's so much stuff happening. And I kind of think this is leading us into a new awakening because we're realizing we're all focused on so much of the little unimportant stuff everybody yeah. else. and so now we finally realize that you know things can get serious and i think it'll make america come together and i think it'll also stop the globalization as so much it's going to be more independent people are realizing that the second amendment is important you need a, you need guns you yep. need strong borders and so i think it's a real wake-up call and i think society after this is going to completely change and i think it's for the better personally that, that's my hope um, but before we also finish, I want to kind of shift the focus back to you personally for a little bit. So you've gotten into politics now. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, I've been out here. Okay. Where do you see yourself 
going? Like, what's the what's the big picture? And also, what are the steps to get there? Like, what do you need to do? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I think what I want to do, um, and this could change tomorrow, right? But as of now, um, I think I would be a great representation uh, for people. Um, I speak well. I kind of play the part. Um, I think I would love to be in office one day. Um, and how I go about doing that is just learning how things work in D.C., how we pass laws, why we pass laws, what laws that don't pass, why not. Um, and more than that, so currently my, you know, one of my main duties is uh, managing the congressman's schedule. Um, well, now that coronavirus is hitting, we don't do the mu we don't do much uh, as far as schedule goes. But before this, you know, I ran a lot of his life. I know exactly, you know, these guys have 15 minute windows where you have to work and then you have to get something in the next 15 minutes. And it, uh, it definitely added uh, organization skills to the resume. Um, but like, that's what I want to do. Um, and how I go about doing that is just learning how all of this operates. Um, I think just kind of going about what I'm doing. Um, and then the most important thing is, so I currently work for a Texas member. Uh, being from Minnesota, being from Texas, I think I would rather represent Minnesota. Um, though I don't agree with the current office holders you guys have voted into office. I don't know what's happening in Minnesota, but... Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. some change needs to happen. Maybe that's, that's my role, right? Yeah. No, you got my vote. <laughs> um, and so you kind of just spoke there about what you do during, like, before the coronavirus hit. Can you, so let's go pre-coronavirus. What would a day in the life of Joe Blow look like? Yeah, so I get to work. I'm usually the first one here. I like to, you know, I'm the new guy in the office, so I like to make sure things are clean. I'm the first guy in the office, right? I do those office duties, if you will. Um, but then after that, I, I always hear from constituents and I need to, you know, log that stuff for my legislative correspondent who is the middleman between citizens and uh, the congressman. So he writes letters. He's constantly talking to his constituents. Um, I work with him a lot. I do a lot of research for the legislative team. So if they have a question on a Medicare bill or a workforce bill or something like that, they can ask me to put a one pager in, get some sort of research done about a specific topic. Um, and then I fill them in and I can do research on certain bills. Should we be on it or not? Um, and then the scheduling is a big part of it. So that's, I got very fortunate. So my deputy chief of staff, second in charge, uh, just went on maternity leave and she was handling the congressman's schedule. Um, they passed it along to me, the new guy in the office. So again, another very lucky thing I got. Um, and through that, I probably became closest to the congressman of all everyone besides the chief of staff. I'm constantly with him. I'm constantly talking to him, um, which is great for my career selfishly. Um, but you know, I, I think I've been a great help to him as well. That's awesome. Good for you. That's yeah. It's crazy. I remember what, like three years ago, we'd be hanging out at my house. The fact that you're in DC now, working your way up, you're the closest one to the congressman. Yeah, sounds like you're learning a lot. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, yeah, it all happened so fast. That's what's that's what's awesome. Is that a metaphor for coronavirus or your career, John? Oh, uh, oh, you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out, Jake. Um. 
And I guess the final question that I have for you is that we are in an election year. Do you see, obviously, 2016 election was the most pulverizing election. I've been using that word a ton, but that election was just the nastiest. It was so in your face. It was everywhere. Yeah. You, I personally think 2020 is going to be just as bad or worse. But what do you think? What, is, what are you getting from being there? You're on the inside. Um, so I think Biden and the Clintons are pretty well connected. Um, they'll run similar campaigns despite failing last year or in 2016. Bernie, however, I think Bernie would be a lot more fascinating for the people to watch because I don't think it would all be about like punching. It wouldn't be punching each other. It would be more fiscal. I think, I think watching Donald Trump debate anyone is a treat. But if you had someone like Bernie who had his own ideas and someone who has kind of stuck by his ideas for his, throughout his life, that's rare in a politician. Um, so I think he would be a great debate. It would be a great debate watching those two um, argue on stuff, right? Because they're so, they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think it would be great for the people to see both sides without punching each other. Just let them speak. I, I think that's theoretically what would happen. Maybe Bernie just takes the same campaign advice and attacks, but. I agree. It would be much more policy driven. Um, fortunately, I don't think Bernie's going to win. It, I mean, we had Illinois and Florida and it was just slot. He just got slaughtered by Biden, which I, I personally don't understand. I don't get it. I, I'll leave. I won't get into that though. Party unity. It's just, I, I guess. Yeah. I just, I don't understand. Especially it seems that Biden was so dead in the water and then all of a sudden he wins South Carolina and it's like, he has all this new life and he's winning States that he's not even spending money in. It's absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. Uh, George, you had something to say? Yeah, I was going to chip in. I was going to say all these sports getting canceled, nothing on TV and Trump being the quote unquote treat he is to watch debates, which I do agree with. He is a treat. Um, I think these debates are going to hit record numbers of viewers. Oh, for sure. I spent, I mean, just considering the sports world alone is shut down. Everything's, you know, reruns now. I mean, this could be, this could be the Super Bowl times 10. Everybody's watching every time, hanging on every word. Of course, the internet may be shut down with Call of Duty characters outside, but it'll be, it'll be, it'll be something to watch. It'll be definitely something to watch. And um, yeah, it'll be good. Very good. Agreed. Hopefully, hopefully the election even happens on time. Because right now, that, that's even up in there. It's a crazy time. It's a really crazy time. Yeah, exactly. Um, we could get a little into it a little bit more off the air. But yeah, especially regarding that. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up then so we can um, shut her down and get into it a little bit. Yeah. Do you have any uh, final words? Um, I don't. Thanks for having me on. I've never been on a podcast. Hopefully this was... Uh, the first of many to come for both yourselves and me, uh, myself as well. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a blast. Joe Blow, a reoccurring guest here. I like the idea of that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe an insider, Joe Blow, put a, put a little GoPro on, walk around the White House, show us all the uh, secret documents. Nick yeah, I, I thought about that before making the call. I was like, should I head into like the rotunda in the Capitol? Like, where should I, where should I be uh, set this up? Where should you be? Where should you be? Thank but you. 
Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on, JT. Ah, shit. I'm going to cut that out. Thank you for coming on, Joe Blow. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think a lot of people find this inter very interesting just because of everything going on in the world right now. Um, so, you guys, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, Instagram, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, stay safe out there.